In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin. And this is episode number 98, Holding Out for a Hero. Holding Out for a Hero. It's a song from the 80s. It is. By Bonnie Tyler. Mm -hmm. All about how she wishes that a hero would come to save her. Right? Listen, I feel that. I do too. We all want a hero right now. Except also, Bonnie Tyler, you can save yourself. Exactly. Be your own hero. Be your own hero, Be your honey. Your own hero. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. It is a little. We're bit. talking You're about right. like heroes that, uh, you know, what are heroes really? <laughs> what are they? <laughs> that was the best. We're talking about heroes. You know what are heroes? What are they really? What are they, and how do they fail us? That's really the multitude the, of ways. Yeah, yeah. And hey, what happens when you become your own hero? Yes. We're covering it all today. So many hero-related thoughts. Heroic themes. Yes. Yeah. Isn't Bonnie Tyler, by the way, the same one that did Total Eclipse of the Heart? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Which is like, yeah. was already running in my head before yes. you said that, because yeah. you can't help it. And her voice is very yeah, distinctive. powder keg. Giving off sparks. <laughs> it's like the most, like, She's got a very operatic songs. Yeah, yeah, that moment. I mean, you'd feel like you could do anything. You're Absolutely. right. I have given off sparks. Yes. Just I a was... lot of false bravado comes from that song. <laughs> you know? I can totally make this cliff on my bike. You can't. <laughs> no. No. Mm-mm. no. I'm pretty sure I can box this guy. Mm-mm. Oh, no. no. You can't. <laughs> I feel like I can win this dance fight. No. 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 Bonnie Tyler giving us false confidence. I think I can make a souffle. No. Oh, God, no. No. You can't. No, you can make a yuck pie instead. Yeah, you can make a (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Bring yourself back down. Bring it down. To Kate Gosselin level. To Kate Gosselin level. That's right. trying to be Bonnie Tyler. (laughs) Just be Kate Gosselin.
That's where that's what we're working with. Well, Aaron, mm-hmm. as I said before, what is a hero? What do you think are some of the characteristics that define a hero in the traditional sense? You know, you and I were talking about this a little bit before mm-hmm. because we were kind of trying to think of how we viewed heroes when we were younger. And to me, I think when I was younger and had a traditional view of a hero, mm-hmm. it seemed like something unattainable. Like yeah. I could never do that. Yeah. So the first thing that came to mind was when I was younger and I first discovered the Olympics. Like that mm. seemed crazy. Like those, they're like American heroes. Like look at them go. I also have a feeling of remembering thinking that the lady that ran the children's section at the library was like like how do you get that job like before you understand jobs but that's a good hero yeah and she i was like she always gets to pick the book for story time Mm -hmm. she gets to do all the voices she's in charge of all the puppets she's in charge of the whole children's section i'm guessing she gets to read all these books like everything (laughs) seemed great like that seemed but now i feel like I don't really think of things as heroes. I think I think of them more as like something that I enjoy or treasure. Because mm-hmm. by the same, if I was trying to look at it the same lens as an adult, like I guess I would put Keith Morrison in the hero uh, category. Yes. But really he's more just a treasure to me. That's like, a good way of putting it. He can't be replicated. Yeah. Like there, there's nothing that's like Keith Morrison. No one mm-hmm. can pull that off but him. Mm-hmm. So that's not necessarily heroic. Like he didn't do anything that really... Well, he did do something that changed the fabric of my life. I was going to say that changed. I can see that on your face. Like, wait a second. No, he is a hero. He is a hero. You're doubling down. And a national treasure. (laughs) I think I always thought of heroes as, you know, like superheroes. Yeah. You know, like Superman, like growing up, Superman and Luke Skywalker and Princess Mm -hmm. Leia, you know, all these fake people, Mm -hmm. like not real people. That makes sense. A lot of them were white dudes, too. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have that. Going on that, do you? Why do you think that heroes don't live up to the hype so often? I think that because they're in some way based on perfection, yeah, and not reality. Like I think they're not real humans. You mm-hmm. know, when we designate them as heroes, in some way, it's setting them aside from the rest of us. Yeah, and in that way, then it's stripping them of any flaws. It's stripping them of any like doubts or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, I think that's why so many heroes fall hard because yeah. they are people, even yeah. though we've, you know, started thinking them not of that way. Um, that and, you know, once you get a hero status and people start treating you like a hero, power is going to corrupt, baby. We have seen that time and time again. We have seen that time Tale and again. Tale as old as time. People given that status. They go nuts. They're going to fail. They're going to be nuts. I think another problem, too, is we often conflate an act of heroism versus a person that's a hero yes you know, like yes we, we look at like what was the pilot that flew the plane sully and, sully yeah we view him as a hero when actually no no he made he made a good move there yeah like, he did potentially a heroic act yeah that doesn't necessarily mean he's a hero right and i think we do that a lot with like you know first responders and yeah. you know people like that or you know i mean by definition can a hero even exist Exactly. I don't know. Okay, I mean, you can have people that do heroic things, but a full-on, just straight-across hero. And when we think about some of the people who have been called heroes over time, they've been in part God, or they've been part, right. like, you know, yes. something that is not human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're bound to be disappointed when we start labeling humans as heroes. It's a good point. Yeah. I'm just bringing you back down to reality, everybody. We need that. Because you start believing in heroes and then they're going to be named as the top of a, you know, pyramid scheme or a harasser. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, you're just asking for it. You're something. just asking yeah, for it. You're going to end up in jail at some point. Mm-hmm. Aaron, mm-hmm. all that thinking aside, yes. you know, thinking about what might be a hero. Mm-hmm. Is there a hero of 2021? Yeah. Who? HBO Max. <laughs> Here's See, that why. fits because it's not a human. No, it's not human. And it's making everyone better. Yeah. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. HBO Max as a hero is pushing everyone to be their best because mm. putting out some great TV. So yeah. Hulu's like, I got to get in on this. Oh, yeah. So they're doing it. Netflix is like, don't count us out. We got some original stuff coming. Everybody's up Showtime's in Showtime's like, hey, we might not be as popular, but we're cheaper and we have some good stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to be HBO Max. They got out from that status, that HBO Go debacle, and they hit the ground running. Ugh. And once people figured out what it was and how to access it. Yeah. Boom. Boom. That's a good point. And in that way, a hero is helping us forget our worries. Yes. Helping us have something zone out to look for forward to and yes. pushing everyone else to give us the same. Yes. Making everyone rise to that level of cinematic enjoyment. Mm. It does make me think, though. Okay, so if we're talking about heroes and we're saying to some degree that they kind of can't really exist mm-hmm. wholly, so do you think it's healthy to have heroes? I don't. Yeah. I think, though, we should reframe it. I think okay. we, I think it's completely healthy to have people we might admire mm-hmm. or people that we might respect, especially if we're looking at a specific like behavior that they've done or a specific you know way in which they've like charted a path. Kind yeah. Of thing. Great. Because in that way, you're still recognizing them as people, I think. Yeah. And you're leaving possibility for them to be a human. Right. And to maybe make mistakes and maybe even learn from those mistakes. And then that makes you an even better person, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So I think if, you've, if we frame it a little bit more grace, mm-hmm. then that might be healthy. So, like HBO Max, I yeah. understand not every show is going to be a 10 out of 10. We get it. There's going to be times I'm going to be like, I didn't enjoy that. There might be, as Michael Marine said, a clunker. There's going to be a clunker. There's going to be a clunker. I'm thinking of one right now. I'm not going to say it, but I'm oh. thinking of one right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. just going to be clunkers in between the greatness. Yeah. And that makes it real. And I like that. And then that. it makes us appreciate the good stuff. Yes. Even more. Yes. Yeah. I like this whole idea that a hero is kind of a fallacy. Yeah. And almost a self-fulfilling prophecy to horribleness, really. As soon well, as you I, get labeled a hero. And maybe part of it is being in... America and being in a capitalist society where the goal for everything is to be productive and make money. If we're viewing heroes in that way, then money corrupts, power corrupts. Yes. So it's flawed from the get. Yeah, very much so. I'm bringing Mm -hmm. a real pessimistic view of humanity and life here today. You know what? Sometimes I think pessimism gets mislabeled when it's just realism. Thank you. And it's not pretty. It's not. It doesn't look like a My Little Pony, but you know what? It's still important. I say if the past five years have taught us anything it's that we can't (laughs) believe in heroes yeah that people suck yeah people are gonna disappoint you they are they are going to disappoint you so when you find someone that's still in the midst of all that shit doing some cool stuff you can admire them or you find a a service such as hbo max such as hbo max to idolize yeah and put as importance in your life such as i have (laughs) so in terms of importance where's hbo max versus your husband and kids oh well i mean all right fair 
below the oh, okay. husband well, and children. I wanted, but just wanted I to see. But I won't say that if HBO Max was out of my life, my relationships wouldn't suffer. Oh, man, that's a good point. I would. So really, re- it's the glue holding you and your family yes, together. It's a contributing to my good relationships yeah. by allowing me to relax mm-hmm. and have something to take my mind off things. Mm-hmm. I think the podcasts would agree. I think that they like to, you know, stretch out next to me when I'm watching HBO Max, show their bellies and feel good. They recognize the relaxation it's bringing. Exactly. They're like, we're for this. (laughs) Absolutely. This is a good service. Really, they're probably looking at it like, oh, it's more humans being stupid. Yeah. Humans are dumb. What are what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speaking of all this. Yes. Heroes. Heroism. Whew. False heroism. False heroism. Mm-hmm. Thank you. My fiction pick is right on topic. It's called Ariadne by Jennifer Saint. This came out earlier this year. Ooh. And I love a Greek myth, oh. especially when it's retold. Mm-hmm. And here we get one of those, the biggest hero stories of Greek mythology, which is Theseus, mm-hmm. who took on the Minotaur and survived and to great acclaim and great glory. And right. he was a Greek hero. But Greek myths, just as any mythology, I think, often make women the bearer of the babies, the victims of God rape, and generally just dead collateral. Yeah. But here we get the retelling of Ariadne, who was the princess of Crete who helped Theseus. And she's sort of just a footnote in the original story, like, oh, you know, on his way to being a hero, this girl betrayed her whole family to help him. But, oh, she's not necessary. Right. In this book, she is living on Crete as she grows up, and she's living in terror of her terrible dad, her brother, who is the Minotaur, oh. and who and this old dude that she's going to be married off to. Then the prince of Athens shows up, that's Theseus, and he is destined to be sacrificed to the Minotaur. And Ariadne is young, and she's desperate, and she sees this hot dude, looking hot, who's nice to her. And so she helps him, Mm -hmm. even though it means betraying her family and committing treason. And Theseus has promised everything, right? Like he sees this girl doting after him and he's promised like, oh, she's going to you're going to be my princess. Yeah, I love you. I'll protect you. And what he does instead shows that heroes are bullshit. So Ariadne has to figure Mm. out a way to save herself from him, from her family, from the asshole gods who take what they want. Mm hmm. And usually punish women for it. And that's why I chose it for this theme. Because I think so many times, especially when we're looking back at mythology, and I'll include the Bible and other religious texts in that, um, the stories of heroes are the stories told by the victors. We're not hearing from the people that the hero has had to stomp on in order to be heroic. Right. And we're not identifying with the people like us who would probably be someone that he would step on Mm -hmm. to get there. So I like that this book sort of dismantles that idea of heroism. Um, it dismantles the idea of a hero, both a human hero and a god hero. Mm-hmm. And I like that Ariadne has to become her own hero. Like, no one's going to look out for her in this world, especially around all these heroes and gods, so she has to do it. So it's a great story that y- you may know the the shape of it if you're familiar with Greek mythology, but she retells this story in a very uh, fascinating and enjoyable way. That really speaks to the idea of heroes. And Theseus, just like all, not all, many hot dudes before him, shows that you can't trust. Yeah. Way to be. A dude that promises everything that you want to hear. 
Yeah, and I don't know how many times we have to read that story to get that to sink in, right? I mean, well, apparently, I mean, this has been around for thousands of years. So thousands of years. It's that. We're still telling that story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, my fiction pick this week um, also relates to heroes and kind of when you have a hero and you end up taking a path that maybe you shouldn't because you think you're following in that hero's footsteps. Ooh. You know, your actions are based on what that hero does. It's called The Turnout by Megan Abbott. Hmm. This was just published August of 2021. Um, you may be familiar with her as an author. She has got quite a collection, and I'll be the first to admit that this is the first time that I've ever read anything by her. Hmm. I've heard of her. I've heard mm-hmm. great things, just never had picked anything up. So this one's about two sisters, Dara and Marie Durant. Um, and they took over their mother's ballet studio after their parents were killed in a car accident. They're both really gifted at ballet, but they're also very, very different in personality. They're very, very close, like almost unusually close because of, you know, the family situation that happened and and then, you know, doing ballet. And you get the idea that their family was very isolated and closed off. But complicating things is that Charlie, Dara's husband, lives with them. So the three of them share the girls' childhood home and the ballet studio because that's how they met. Charlie was... Uh, a ballet student of their mother's. And then he ended up marrying Dara. This is not going to go well. I have a prediction. Yeah. All of a sudden, enter Derek, who is a larger-than-life contractor that comes after there is sort of a, a freak accident, a little bit of a fire, a little bit of some water damage. And he says, why stop here? Like, let's... You guys haven't done anything at this studio. Let's make this amazing. Because the the girls are very popular. They have a very thriving studio because they're very good at what they do. And people are willing to overlook the fact that it's kind of run down because they're such great teachers. So right away, things get sticky and deep and murky and weird. You're on this roller coaster that you didn't even know you got on all of a sudden. Mm-mm. You're like, oh, 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 now we're here. Okay. <laughs> and in the, in the best way, like she has a very twisty and enthralling writing style that's really, really good character development. And it's also very psychological, but it's also tender mm-hmm. in a way. And, and it allows you to sort of feel very connected to these characters, even while they're doing things that you're sort of appalled by. Um, and there's all these gaspy moments. That was like the best way I could say it, where you're like, what? Oh, oh. And then you kind of just absorb it like, OK, yeah, <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> so I picked it for this theme because these two sisters are living a life that they feel is honoring their mother their mother Mm. was their hero and they are going to go to the ends of the earth to make sure that her reputation is preserved her legend is preserved her legacy lives on and as they continue and they're faced with the fact that maybe there's some things about this that isn't so great maybe she's not actually the hero that Mm -hmm. they thought she was maybe there's some things from their past that they need to sort through and deal with and as they're coming to that realization and dealing with this in a very public way with a lot of other people, they're kind of left to wonder, what if I had just done my own thing? What if I hadn't been forced to Oof. take this thing because I idolized this person? Yeah. I mapped my whole life around it. And now, what if that's not what I want anymore? So it's a twisty psychological thriller that also had this kind of deep themes about expectations of family, about mm-hmm. heroism, about false heroes. Um, and about how we can kind of idolize things that are different or we don't know enough about. Mm-hmm. Like, I think sometimes we assign that hero status to things that are mysterious or that don't, that seem secretive because that must Ooh. mean that they're cool or they're next level when in reality, maybe they're secret because it, it's not on the up and up. Yeah. 
That's really interesting. And that level two of, I imagine many kids may grow up thinking their parents are heroes, Mm -hmm. but if they get to live long enough, then they realize, oh, their parents are just adults. Yeah. Like they're just, you know, flawed humans. Yes. Whereas maybe if the parents are taken a little too soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially in this situation where they were young and they basically had each other to rely on. Mm -hmm. They got, Dara and Charlie got married at 16. Oh, shit. Because the parents died and they're all living in this house and they're taking over this business. And so their entire young adult and adult lives have been encroached in this whole legacy and idea and they're fulfilling something that they don't totally understand mm-hmm. Oof, that made me think about like how heroism can sometimes be like a fake image you yes know, like the fake idea of someone and that made me think about social media mm-hmm. and maybe our idea of heroes these days is influenced by what we see on social media for sure and particularly maybe influencers have built on that idea like Mm -hmm. you know I can be a hero to many people because of this image I'm portraying but then is it real is it not heroism today you can get wrapped up in thinking like because I'm really good at putting on fake eyelashes and this really cool eyeliner technique somehow I'm a hero because that got me 20,000 more followers and everybody's doing it so we sort of confused heroic acts with being popular yeah and money and money which is two very different things Mm -hmm. you know in the traditional sense of the word two very different things right Superman wasn't trying to make money no he didn't have kick-ash long lashes. No, he d- Well, I mean, he, the the current Superman is a lovely, lovely man. Yes. And I don't think that they're like the, fa- you know, like. No, 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 no. Yeah. I think you You'd have right. to watch yeah. like yeah. a YouTube video to put them on. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever put on fake eyelashes? No, I've had them put on one time. Really? When I had my makeup done for a wedding. Oh. Um, and they were so, it was so far from what I knew. They were like, yeah. They don't feel like I thought. Th- I thought they would feel so heavy and weird, and yeah. they didn't. But then I panicked the next morning because I was like, "How do they come off? I don't want to walk around like this. Like it's obvious I have fake now that I don't have all the rest of the makeup on and I'm not super dressed up." Uh huh. Uh huh. And I was furiously texting people like, "How do you get these off?" Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Just slow your roll and put a wet washcloth on your eye. Calm yourself." That's like there was one time many years ago I got drunk and let a friend uh, put on fake nails and I'd never had yeah. fake nails before and he put them on and then by the end of the night I was very drunk and I was panicking I was like how am I gonna get these off like is, <laughs> is this just me now so I started ripping them oh off. no it was real bad That's- and so then I woke up the next morning with like half torn off and half still there along with all the accoutrements yeah. of being hung over oh. and he had also done my makeup it was bad news oh my god yeah Things I looked in bad. the mirror and it's like, what is this creature? Yeah. That's me, apparently, if I put a lot of effort in. Yeah. And I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Because I was like, wow, okay. So these aren't as crazy difficult as I assumed. But also, it was so alarming to see it on me that I was like, I, I need these off. Like, Could you like see them in your peripheral vision? No, not okay. Well, the next morning I could start to because one was starting to come off. So you could see it there. And they were I, individual ones? Um, no, it's like it comes on it's like as a, a whole thing. piece. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but part of it had started to peel, so some of them were. Yeah, I'd be afraid of like ripping off my whole eyelid. I know. I was off. like, yeah. I don't know what. Or all my here. actual eyelashes. Yes, and there's not that many, so I, I got it. Like, careful. I don't want to preserve. I don't need yeah. all this. I don't need this kind of drama. I imagine if I ever put hair extensions in, I would have the same sort of panic. I'd wake up and like, how do I get this out? And <laughs> then just my rip my real hair. Uh, yeah, it would not be good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would lose it. I think. 
I think the moral of the story is that you and I are not used to no. all of the things that many women do for beauty. Um, I will tell you that one time I in college I was convinced because of being in a wedding to uh, get a spray tan. And you are looking at me right now and oh, know dear. that I am a pale, 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 translucent. <laughs> you are a pale specimen of a human being. So pale. You and I are very, very pale. We are. And I mean, I get freckles and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the closest I get to tan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think this is a good idea. And they were like, no, it's a good idea. Like I was being forced <laughs> by the person that wanted it done. And I'm like, I just, I don't think that this is going to go like you think it's going to go uh-uh. on me. Uh-uh. Spoiler alert. You I was correct. right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is pre-spray tan where like they were, I think it's better now, but like you had to like put stuff on your hands and then hold them up so it didn't get on there on your hands. And just everything kept turning more and more orange. Oh God, oh God, Because you oh wait God. like 48 hours or whatever yeah. to shower and it just kept getting darker. And I was like, this is, and every time I looked in the mirror, I was like, I look absurd. <laughs> I look absolutely absurd. Like this is ridiculous. Like I don't that's so terrifying because you can't make it stop no and I'm like no one's going to take me seriously because they're going to be like what why yeah who's that crispy crispy girl over there yeah like why does she look like burnt leather yeah that's orange that you spilled a Fanta on and didn't wipe up like what she looked like an old west belt yeah how how are her palms that white (laughs) and the rest of her is that orange it's alarming and I had nothing to say, but I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. I um, remember for prom, uh, I put on tanning lotion mm-hmm. because I was told it would make me look skinnier. Yes. Yep. Yes. And put it on. And I think that was my first time. So I didn't know, you know, mm. about the hands and the washing and all of, yeah. and the making sure that it's even. I am sure I looked like a cheetah mm-hmm. with some spots. Mm-hmm. But the part, the parts that uh, did get tan, I was like, "Huh, is this what other people experience?" Yeah, interesting. Uh huh. And then I was like, "I need this to go away. I don't recognize myself. I, I don't, don't recognize, recognize my body. Myself. No, no. Especially when it's two different colors." And I've used that stuff before, and it has a slight smell. It too. has such a smell. Yeah. And then if you start sweating, yes, it starts coming out. Yeah. Yeah. You're either going to see my white legs or you're not. There's no there's no option oh, yeah. where they're going to be tan. I'm sorry. I gave up all of that like 20 years ago because I was like, I suck at this. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look natural. No. So here's my paleness. I either look like what happens with me because I'm so pale. And then when I got that spray tan is it had the opposite effect. Like normally for a pale person, you might say they look sick when they're pale. Mm-hmm. I looked like I was dying mm-hmm. because I was so orange. Like mm. people are like, what is she? Is that John? That's not John. Is it? Is that Johnson in an adult? Like what? What did you eat? A lot of carrots. I've heard that rumor. If you eat too many carrots, you turn orange. Does she only eat carrots? What is happening? So, moral of the story. Moral of the story is just listen to your gut. <laughs> so I was like, I told you all that this was a bad idea. I knew this would happen. You all look normal. Like that looks good on you. Oh, you look tan. Wow. Did you go to California? No, you went to a tanning booth. Cool. Got a cool spray tan. I look like there was an accident at the California Raisins Factory. (laughs) They turned out a half human. (laughs) Damn it. And that's not heroic. No. In any way. You're no one's hero when you look like a California Raisin. I was no one's hero that whole weekend. (laughs) There was no hero worship in sight. Nope. Well, for other genre, I'm going to make a hard pivot because there's Save no us. real good. Save us. There's no real good Save transition us. from spray tans to this. Um, the title is "Is Rape a Crime?" It's a memoir, an mm-hmm. investigation, and a manifesto mm-hmm. from Michelle Bowdler. 
1984, two men broke into Michelle's home and raped her. It's a horrific story. And she tells the story. So know that going in. Mm -hmm. And horrific story, massive trauma. And that year, though, the city of Boston formed a sexual assault unit because this was happening a lot. There were a lot of break-ins and rapes occurring around Boston, especially in her neighborhood. So Michelle had hoped that they would find the men, multiple men, um, that and so that in that way she could at least feel a little safer, could go on to heal a little bit. Right? You know? Yeah. But they bungle it hard. Oh no! They are a unit really formed in name only. It kind of feels like one of those political moves. Like here, let me throw you this oh, to no. appease the women, yeah. kind of thing. Um, and after a few months, Michelle never hears from the cops again about her case ever. Meanwhile, look, she doesn't follow up too hard because she is struggling hard. Oh. For 20 years, she's living her life, and it's very stunted in a lot of ways. She's so traumatized that it makes building a career, you know, existing in the world, it makes it very, very difficult to do what other people may not consider that Mm -hmm. difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, But she keeps going. She keeps living until one day, as she's starting to feel a little better about her career, she has a partner, she's having children. One day, she starts thinking about why she never heard from the police after her case. And she starts an investigation that shows how shitty our criminal system is when it comes to rape. And some highlights of that, expired or lost rape kits, massive delays in processing that invalidate the whole, you know, statute of limitations, sham trials that really put women under the microscope Mm -hmm. versus the men, which ultimately show why fewer than 3% of reported rapes result in conviction. And that gets her thinking, is rape really a crime? Mm -hmm. If we treat it like it's not a crime, then maybe it's not. So I chose it for this theme because like the subtitle says, it's so many different things. It is her memoir. Mm -hmm. It is also this sort of true crime investigation. And it's also a manifesto of like, what the fuck are we doing Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I chose it specifically here because I think all the heroes here suck. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the police aren't helping. The justice system won't help. The healthcare system that she turns to to help with her PTSD just completely fails her. Some of it, of course, is a product of the times. Yeah. Like this was in the 80s. This was in the 90s. But she goes on to a career in uh, helping future victims of rape and she stays very up to date on public health statistics and the ways that people move in the world so she knows this is still happening this is still very messed up Uh, michelle has to find her own way and then when she starts thinking how unfair this all is she starts investigating her own head her own case and why the heroes didn't help and it's just gutting but it's also so important i think to read this and this is tough i'm not gonna lie there's yeah. a lot of hard stuff here um but it's very powerful and you know all of those three things together make it a really unique reading experience yeah. and yeah i think it speaks so well to our theme of heroes and how especially we we vault um some of the people that do specific jobs to this pedestal that no matter what they're not gonna make but when we really look deep into how a city works how a system works we know it's not working in the way that it should then what are heroes what are heroes Aaron? what are heroes wow it's tough that is tough but it lines up so well with this Mm -hmm. you know that just the idea that like you said we assign certain status to certain things to certain jobs or to certain people without really vetting whether they're worth that Mm -hmm. and if anything if time in history has taught us anything it's that 
a certain thing doesn't make someone a hero. It's mm-hmm. what that person's made of. So just automatically saying, well, they're in this field, so they must be a good person isn't really effective. Yeah, and that's not true. And I think another element of this is that, you know, she, after reading this, some people might think, man, she's a hero because she pulled herself out of this. Like right. she survived and she did all this. And if that's the expectation for heroes too, that's fucked up too mm-hmm. because she defied a lot of odds to be able to pull herself out of this and she was failed in so many ways Mm -hmm. and if we're then like vaulting these people up to like oh you made it through our messed up system and you succeeded yay you then that's a problem too Mm -hmm. yeah i do not like it erin do not like it sam Mm -mm. i am Mm -mm. do not like it in a boat Every time I say I do not like it, I think of your son, Mason, because yeah. he's said that about multiple things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've found myself saying that in yeah. multiple it's, situations, too. It's just, it's succinct and it's to the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know. That's what we got. That's what you need sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, mine is also kind of uh, dark in a way. Um, and it's a memoir, but it's also a graphic novel. It's a memoir Ooh. and a graphic novel. So it's called Fun Home, a family tragic comedy. Oh, that's a perfect choice for this. Yes, by Alison Bechdel. Mm-hmm. So this is not new. It came out in 2006, so you might have heard of it. It also became a Broadway musical, which sort of blows my mind. It really I, does. I haven't. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't either. And I've never really wanted to see it. Right. I'm afraid it'll ruin. So like I said, this is a graphic novel and it explores the author's relationship um, with her father and her parents' relationship. She grew up in a funeral parlor. Her dad was a mortician. Um, but she also grew up with a lot of family secrets. So a lot of like what they're presenting on the outside isn't really what was happening on the inside. And it's an interesting format because you're really immersed in something almost childlike when you're reading the graphic novel. You know, you're seeing the illustrations, mm-hmm. you're caught up in that. But then we're also dealing with these deep, difficult topics. And it felt like for this, it was perfect because she was dealing with these deep, difficult topics in her childhood when you sort of had rose colored glasses and everything seems okay, mm-hmm. even though maybe in the back you realize something's not quite right. I picked for this theme this week because her author or her father worshiped authors like in different points in his life when he was in the army it was uh Camus that he was writing um his mom letters or her mom letters the whole time then when he got out of the army it was Fitzgerald and some parts of his life kind of followed his um and there's a lot of parallels you can draw as you learn more throughout the story but there's so much tragedy here and so much questions about if someone's a hero to you but they did not great things somewhere else Mm -hmm. what does that mean like Mm -hmm. what are you left with how do you Mm. how do you make that okay in your head are they still a hero can they be a hero to you and be a villain to someone else you know so it raises a lot of questions about kind of the the parental idea again about parents being heroes but also is that an individual do we all have individual relationships with heroes is it possible to say that there's one for everyone it raises a lot of questions, I think, about how we assign importance to certain relationships and how sometimes it's hard for people to reckon when that relationship doesn't mm-hmm. fulfill the way that they think it should. I think that's why we were at the beginning trying to dissect what a hero is because yeah. it is so limited. Like it doesn't allow for like if you're doing something good, then you're all good. And right. It doesn't allow for like, well, maybe you're an asshole over here, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And I think that's why we see so many comeuppances, Aaron. Yes. 
Larry. Larry come Welcome up back. <laughs> Larry Comeuppance has been around this week and I like it. He's needed and he's wanted and he's my personal hero. Larry, Larry Comeuppance is a good hero he's because a good hero. he takes all the hypocrites Brings and enjoys. Yeah. Gives them some comeuppance, if you will. <laughs> it also made me think when you said that he idolizes authors. Um, I think that's maybe something that literature does too, mm-hmm. where, I mean, we've talked so many times about classics and mm-hmm. why certain books are called classics. And then we look at the authors who wrote those classics and they're terrible. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that they've done, you know, it, it negates whatever value you might find from the literature, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think we see that a lot now too with, you know, obviously in the Me Too era, some of the uh, comedians especially that got a comeuppance mm-hmm. and there's a cry from so many people like well you got to se- separate the art from the artist and you got to mm-hmm. you know da-da. like no that's not that's not heroism then right you know right yeah well and and I think there's something because he idolized specifically classic authors mm-hmm. and we've talked about that before too and, and there's classic men classic male mm-hmm. authors yeah there's something to be said for the fact that there's this idea sometimes which is what we Part of the reason we started the podcast because we hate this in, yeah. in discourse about books, which is like, oh, if you write well enough, it doesn't really matter what your experience is. Whatever yeah. you're saying is important. And I I don't think that's true, especially no. given the two books we brought for this. You know, a memoir called Is Rape a Crime is so much more powerful. You're sharing something that you dealt with and have something important to say. I don't care if she says that in some you know literary story that mm-hmm. is considered highbrow and that's sort of i think where the disconnect happened with literature is like well if you're if you're good enough it's like another art form if you're good enough it doesn't matter yeah know? and then if you're yes if you've reached like a sort of level of talent or genius or whatever you can go ahead and behave badly yeah that's fine we expect it of you yes you, of course you're going to be neurotic and weird because you're a genius and this is only men by the way yeah yes, you know of course yes yeah. this is only men. women do that and they're crazy but yeah, yeah women do uh-huh. that and you end up in the book train wreck but <laughs> yeah so it's a so tough read in a in a lot of ways, but it's also the it's format was sort of genius. I, yeah, I, I just I don't know if I've seen a graphic novel used in such an ingenious way for such. I mean, there's other graphic novels that deal with difficult topics. I'm not saying that, but this one, I don't know. Just just the juxtaposition of the pictures and looking at their family dynamics, and then all these deep topics. It was really I don't know. Maybe it hit me deeper than it would just mm-hmm. in a normal, you know, non graphic novel. I have an Alison Bechdel story. Oh. Um, Alison came to Des Moines a oh. few years ago. Yeah. Uh, to a local university. And Eric and I went to go see it. And delightful. But for the first 20 minutes, they couldn't get the technology working. And Allison was standing down there, full house, everybody ready. And I was so mortified oh. on behalf of the university. Like, you brought this wonderful person here. Yes. And you can't get her fucking PowerPoint working oh. so that she can talk <laughs> about her process. Oh. I was very frustrated. That's why I didn't name the university, but you can guess what yeah. the university yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah, my memory of Alison Bechdel is being mortified on her behalf. Yes. And just wanting her to give her damn speech. Right. And to talk to us. And what she gave when it finally came together was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it was a great experience. But you don't mess with Alison Bechdel. I will tell you that I this book is, like I said, 2006. So it's not new by any means. And I think I had heard of it in passing. But I actually picked this up because 
of listening to Robert Coker, who wrote mm. um, the Hidden Valley Road yes. and um, the I can't think Lost of, Girls. Lost Girls. Yeah. Thank you. I listened to his the Avid series brought him for oh, yeah, uh, yeah. In Des Moines here, and I listened to it. It was online, and he talked about this being one of the books that he went back to a couple times as kind of an inspiration and a way to stay grounded in difficult topics. Wow. And I was like, hmm, I don't think I remembered it, but I don't think I'd ever picked it up. So uh-huh. that was part of the reason that I read it because I was. I was fascinated by his process, and then I was like, I need to see what this book is about. And I can see why that was, you know, a a touchstone for him to go back to, for sure. And have we ever talked about the Bechdel test? No. Okay, so the when Alison Bechdel was first writing uh, comic strips, syndicated comic strips called Dykes to Watch Out For. Yeah. um, At some point, I think she had her characters posit this idea of a Bechdel test, which is... When you're watching a movie, when you're watching a show, if two women are together and they're only talking about men uh-huh. and how the men are and what the men are doing and stuff like that, it doesn't pass the test. Uh. If the two women are together and they're talking about something unrelated to men, passes the test. Very rarely have movies and shows passed that test. Interesting. And I'm tying this to my pop culture pick oh. because this passes the Bechdel test. In fact, I watched a uh, extra with the two stars where one of them specifically said this movie passes the Bechdel test and that's why I wanted to get involved. Really? It's Cruella that you saw. So good. So good. Right? I just watched it last night because it's finally on Disney Plus free. free. Yeah. Yeah. This is a movie about the iconic villain Mm -hmm. and her origin story. Mm -hmm. And Main character's uh, Cruella, obviously, but her original name is Estella, Mm -hmm. played by Emma Stone. And when she's a little girl, she's very brilliant, she's very precocious, and she kicks, gets kicked out of boarding school a lot for fighting with boys and for generally just saying no yeah. to things. And as a result, she and her mom are headed to London, and her mom is killed. So little Estella, she's in London, she's lost, she doesn't know what to do, she hooks up with two young boys named Horace and Jasper, who are thieves, mm-hmm. and they become a family. So then we jet to like 10, 15 years in the future. Estella's grown and she gets a job at this fashion house that she loves, the House of Baroness. And the Baroness is Emma Thompson. Yeah, it is. In terrific bitchy glory. (sighs) It's something. This whole movie is so great. Yes. Just so great. And the Baroness is a fashion genius. But so is Estella. She's always made her own clothes. She's always made her own statements. The fashion in this movie... It's insane. And by now it's the 1970s. So she's trying out this new aesthetic. And then suddenly Estella discovers that the Baroness, the head of this fashion house, is actually responsible for something really bad. And so she vows revenge. And that means letting out her wild side, who she has named Cruella. From there, it's a battle of fashion (laughs) with Cruella becoming this iconic punk designer, which is everything. The stuff she pulls off, like the stunts where she reveals designs. So good. The garbage truck yes. scene. Yes. Unbelievable. And when she's standing on top of the truck or the car and pulls around this huge, huge, huge train. Yes. Yeah. So lots more twists and turns. It's Emma Stone eating up this role. So good. Emma Thompson being a glorious asshole. And I chose it for this theme because Estella slash Cruella 
learns early that the world doesn't like her and doesn't want her, basically because she's too much. Mm -hmm. And even when she's grown, she's sort of hoping for a hero. She's put the Baroness up as a hero, as a fashion icon and a hero. Right. And she kind of wants that hero to pluck her from obscurity and to save her and to Mm -hmm. give her this new life. But there are no heroes here. And she has to be her own hero. And that means being mean, being cruel Mm -hmm. sometimes. And I like the unique look at that. I like that we just committed and said, like, this is a villain from the comics. Let's or from the movie. Let's dig in. Mm -hmm. Let's see what's here. I love the campiness of this. I love the bite of it. I love that there's two angry women just battling it out. So good. And I don't know about you, but I didn't remember a lot from the original animated movie. Like, I'd watched it when I was yeah. a kid. But I probably as, did just because the kids, but yeah. But as I watched it, I was like, wait a second. Didn't Cruella have two, you know, sidekicks? And weren't they named Horace and Jasper? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And then as I'm going on, I'm like, wait, there was a character named Roger in the movie. Like, so all of these and things, Anita. all these little Easter eggs. Anita. Anita. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they came out, and I was like, oh, this is really, like, satisfying and kind of... The way they really worked cool all those characters in, yes. too, was amazing. And the Dalmatians themselves, there's a lot of dogs in this movie. So many dogs. The dogs like a soundtrack. Are... So good. And at one point, she has her sort of friend-slash-designer singing I Want to Be Your Dog yes. from the Stooges. I was like, this is just perfect. I loved, there's so many things in there that were just, like, how the Baroness noticed right away that she had this kind of different design, mm-hmm. the way that she thought about things, and she was like, oh, wait, you know, I'm, I'm I, it's almost heroic to recognize that in someone yeah. else, and know yeah. that you need to exalt it, but then also, you know, and like we've been talking about, then exploit it, too, so. Yes, and power has corrupted the Baroness. Yes, absolutely. 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 Yeah. And it's Emma Thompson having a ball. So good. What a good pick. I didn't even think of that for this, but what a joy. Well, I actually am recommending something that one of in one of our listener interviews oh. was recommended. And I, Mike and I binged it together. It was nothing but enjoyable. It was everything that was promised. And that's called Girls 5 Eva. Eric will be so happy to hear you say this. I saw him on Friday. He was still singing its praises. He'll be so thrilled. Okay, see, now I'm going to put this disclaimer out there. Okay. Get through the first episode. Okay. I didn't think that the first episode had enough teeth for what the series actually brings because there are guest stars like crazy in this. Okay. And if you grew up in the late 80s, 90s, when boy, ba- all that stuff was the craze girl, you know, you're going to love this because there's so much nostalgia in it too. The whole idea, if you don't remember, is that it's this girl group that was really popular. They fell off. They didn't end up doing anything. They broke apart. They all went on to have different careers. Now they're like in their 40s or turning 40. And their song gets sampled in a new rapper's song. And so they sort of have a moment. And like, oh, Jimmy Fallon wants to have them on. And so they're getting back together. And then they realize like, well, we've really missed this. What if we try to make this happen? But they're all still fighting these old person personalities of who they used to be. Mm-hmm. So... First of all, if there's no other reason to watch it, Paula Peel is an adult girl band member who was a closeted lesbian who's now a dentist. <laughs> I mean, there's no other reason to watch it besides that. It's so She's good. a treasure. She is She's a, a treasure. hero. She is a hero. Yeah. The rest of it, I mean, some of the guest stars, well, you got Sarah Bareilles plays the main character. Oh. Yeah. And so that's amazing. And then you I ha- know the woman from Hamilton, right? Renee yes. Elise. Oh, uh, yes, Elise. Yeah. Uh, what's Goldsbury? Goldberry? Yep. Mm-hmm. And she's great. She plays kind of the diva of the group. One of the girl members died. Oh. She, she swam off the side of an infinity pool. 
Yeah, that sounds right. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but you're going to see like flashbacks to uh, TRL on MTV. Mm. Um, one of the girls played by Busy Phillips is married to a boy band person who's clearly also gay and well, hasn't sure. come out. Yeah. But that's played by Andrew Rannells. <gasps> he plays a boy band who can't stop flipping his hair. In fact, it made him cross-eyed from flipping it so much. Oh, my God. It's just Bowen Yang is oh. in it. Tina Fey plays a part in it, who's also an executive producer and writer. I mean, the the guest stars on this do not stop. It's That's hilarious. Fantastic. Them trying to make it in the world that we live in now yeah. with the knowledge they had from then is just everything. <laughs> and Eric's not wrong. The songs are good. <laughs> I mean, they're funny. And but he said he's still singing them. And yeah, like I can to them. see that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's it's a joy. I truly enjoyed it. Now, I don't think you should go in expecting some like it's not like our picks where we're bringing you some deep like, hey, let's talk oh, about sure, these sure. difficult issues. Yeah, this is this exactly is entertainment. what you need. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. When you realize hilarious. that here. Heroes suck and aren't real. Yes. You watch Girls 5 ever. Yes, and you remember why there are some heroes that you love on TV, like mm. Paula Peel, mm-hmm. Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. Just bring in it. Yeah. Tina Fey is Dolly, as Dolly Parton is something I didn't know I needed, but I did. It's I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah, that's terrific. It's so good. And it's so funny and it's quick. They're just little, you know, half hour episodes and there's gonna it's already been confirmed season two. Oh so, good. Yeah. Get ready. It's you'll it's funny. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And that's on Peacock? Peacock, yes. Okay. It's on yeah. Peacock, yes. I'm getting Peacock and Paramount confused because I think I'm getting a lot of ads for Paramount. Yeah, I don't, I don't have know Paramount. what that is. I don't know what Paramount is I either. I don't know. There's a lot. I don't know what Paramount is either. But I do, yeah, I get it confused too. We only got Peacock because there was a video we wanted to rent for the kids and then I just then haven't canceled in. it yet because yeah. now we watch Dr. Death and uh-huh. then I was watching Girls 5 Eva and mm-hmm. there's just some stuff on there. So. Yeah, I may need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's not like HBO Max level. Peacock, no, 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 no. Okay. No, yeah. no. But I'd like to say <laughs> that HBO Max made Peacock, you know, up their game. Oh, They're see, like, there you go. We're going to need some original content to bring uh-huh. in the viewers. They're expecting some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Man. Good stuff. Way to, way to go, HBO Max. Yeah. Way to bring us all to a level that we need to be. And I liked it this week because it's kind of another, you know, like what happened to all those heroes we had when we were little, you know, in sync and Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls, you know, when you think about where all those people are now and how much that was such a big part of hero worship when we were growing up. It's just funny to think of it now. Although I said, like, as we were starting to talk before the episode, um, I knew even as a kid, like I was differentiating, like these people I have a crush on. Yes. They're not heroes by any means. I am just lusting after them. Yes. And that's okay. And that's fine. Yeah. No hero worship here. No. Although I did have new kids on the block picture in my locker. I had a little keychain you could put your eye up to and change the picture. It had like three in there. Like, ooh, my private picture of (laughs) new kids on the block. Like, what? (laughs) Wow. Makes it sound saucier than it was. Yes. And it, yeah, much saucier than mm. it was. It was just a really like a mini uh, viewfinder. Yeah. yeah. Just a headshot. Yeah, really. Oh, okay. It was there tiny. You couldn't even see who it was because it was a group <laughs> shot. You couldn't even see who was who. You're really just looking at jeans. Why am I looking at this? Yeah. Cool jeans. <laughs> I don't even know. If it didn't say New Kids on the Block on the outside of the keychain. You're like, these are just random know. dudes. You'd be like, what, what, what is, is this? this? Is this like a new JCPenney's ad? <laughs> I don't understand. Is this how the Sears catalog comes now? What is this? Yeah. Oh, the late 80s were a time. They were. Yeah. They were. The good news is that we'll be back. Yeah, we will. 
not next week. In two weeks from now. I was two trying weeks. to think of the word. Is it bi-weekly? Is it I think every so. other week? You know what we mean. Yeah. And two we, weeks from now. We adopted this new schedule be out of love for you. Because we're we really heard from just listeners, doing you a service. We need some time to read these books, y'all. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey. We got it. Who are we but to grant your wishes <laughs> as your heroes? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Do you think some people have pictures of us up on their wall? I hope so. Like hero worship? I was just trying to channel Dolly Parton and I can't do it. No. So I wanted to. I wanted to be that for you, but I can't. I don't feel like I'm listeners. heroic in any way, especially when I fall down the stairs regularly. Yeah. And bruise my butt. I have fallen down your stairs more times than I care to admit. See, maybe that makes us more heroic because we admit it. Yeah. I don't know. I like to think that you should know that about me from listening. And so if you meet me in person, it's not going to be a disappointment to find out that I'm just a huge klutzy nerd. <laughs> and we're going to say real awkward stuff. Yeah. When you, get to, when you talk to us. I might be sweaty. Who knows? Oh, I'm definitely going to be sweaty. Yeah. I probably have some cat hair on me. That could be. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Either way, we'll be back in two weeks. In the meantime, (laughs) happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.